lots and lots of spoilers. All right, can we please get this thing going? I'm telling you, the opening simply will not work the way it's written. The blocking, it's, it's all wrong. There is no way Max just, just waltzes into the studio, a 10 by 10 foot room with one door and no windows, and I simply don't notice. And when he puts his hands over my eyes, I, I'm not supposed to notice him. The audience won't buy that. I'm telling you. And, and then, when I'm guessing who it is, I list out all these names and the audience is seriously supposed to believe that Max doesn't know I'm teasing him and he thinks I've been doing other podcasts with other people. I mean, come on! Tell you what, let me, uh, let me just, I know, I'll play with the flowers. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I'm arranging the flowers and that's why I don't hear Max come in. That way there's at least a reason, you know, because why else would I just go on and on and on and never get to Max Mike movies? Oh, we're just playing with you, audience. <laughs> it was like we were doing a biopic about our own little show and, and you fell for it. Or, well, we yeah. have fun. Right. This week, as part of our series, now streaming in a room near you, we're taking a dive into I Love Lucy via the Amazon Prime flick, being the Ricardos, because nothing is more topical than watching them make a show from 70 years ago. Your hosts are, as usual, that Babalu of the Bongo set, Carioca Max Levine. Sing for us, Max. They called me Cuban Jew. Huh? <laughs> that's it. Uh, yep, that's okay. all I got. All right. And I am the dishwater redhead that the, most of you know as the one who's got some training to do, Mike Luce, which makes total sense somewhere, <laughs> somehow. But... Before we go any further, let's swerve headfirst into our poll question. Poll question! Last week, we asked, what minor movie cliché instantly drives you insane? Mm. These are the answers you provided. Richard Tatum gave us, quote, we're done here, end quote. Tracy Elliott and I used to have a drinking game about it. Every time someone said that, we'd simultaneously say, drink! Also, no one ever saying goodbye on a phone call. They just hang up. End quote. Thanks, Richard. We don't know anybody who does that. <clears throat> Nick Hoffman offered, quote, Car chase. One driver is in a Ferrari-level hypercar, and the other is in a POS Ford Chevy Dodge, and yet Ooh. somehow the POS has no problem whatsoever keeping up with the hypercar. Oh, yeah. Every time I see that, my blood boils. End quote. I am totally with you there, Nick, but I do have one word for you. Narcmobile. Thanks! <laughs> Jess Miller commented, quote, Everyone knows how to make every cocktail, and the bars are always perfectly stocked. That's not real life, end quote. Indeed, unless it's a gin and tonic or rum and coke, I'm, uh, I'm lost. Mm. <laughs> Thanks, Jessington. Val Coons, who is totally related to me, whether she likes it or not, posted, quote, The parking space thing always drives me nuts, i.e. there always being one, especially yep. in places like, oh, I don't know, New York. Always right in front of your destination, too. The other thing, that no matter how poor the character is, they have a huge apartment in New York or an awesome house. Oh, and why does every bag of groceries have a baguette sticking out? End quote. Because baguettes are good for you, that's why. Yeah. No, really, well observed. Thanks. There is no change in sound quality, it's all in your mind. Dave gives us, I guess the only one that bothers me regularly these days, because I am watching so many samurai movies, is 
seppuku. I don't think it helps the plot when people start offering to commit seppuku just because they make small mistakes. Oh my god, I farted near the Shogun! I better threaten to disembowel myself right now and hope someone tells me to stop! Nor do I enjoy the whiny samurai who threaten suicide any time they can't get their way. You won't permit me to accompany you on a dangerous mission? Then I will cut my stomach open in protest of your arbitrary nature! That was my terrible samurai uh, impersonation. <clears throat> seppuku is a form of death penalty. No just society would impose this penalty for trivial reasons, and a threat of seppuku rarely has shock value, credibility, or authenticity sufficient to advance the storyline. Far more often, it is a sign of lazy script writing. End quote. Thanks, Dave. As always, extra bumpy bucks for seppuku. Tyler Stewart gives us, quote, most of the casual, oh, we can sneak into the high security area by doing this one simple thing, using somebody else's ID, catching the closing door after a legit person walks through, etc. End quote. Oh, yes, and let's not forget the giant HVAC system that's big enough for a small army. Thank you, Tyler. Matt Reisman gives us, I really hate the trope where character A appears to die, character B begins to eulogize them, character A arrives unharmed partway through the with a wry remark. I do wish more movies would use the Wilhelm scream, though, end quote. All right, Matt, you are now banned from the show from mentioning the Wilhelm scream. Thank you anyway. Just kidding, of course. Keith Wright offered, quote, I hate it when, in every horror movie, one of the, quote, red shirts, end quote, goes to investigate the sound they hear, wherever it's coming from, the basement, the attic, the dark bedroom, or outside. If you're on a horror movie and you hear a sound and you don't recognize, it's time to go pack your stuff and move out of the house. Better yet, go pack a suitcase and come back for the rest of your stuff in the daytime. End quote. Yes, it is time to not go out and say, Susie? Is that you in a zombie film? Well done, Keith. Geneva Brunetti said, quote, This could be just me, but it really feels like everyone, especially every dad, is an architect, end quote. I don't know that except for Mr. Brady, but uh, thank you, Geneva. Ian Coleman offered, quote, If I never hear, I've got a bad feeling about this, quote, end quote. Well, you know, thanks, Ian. I can't imagine what you're referring to. And lastly, Steve Strickland offers, quote, nobody coughs in movies unless they're actually sick or dying in the movie, end quote. That is pretty much true. We're all very perfect in our um, phlegm management, I guess. I want to thank you all for your great answers. Yeah, it's, it's always terrific. cool to get those, and they add a lot to our show. Bumpy bucks are plenty. Yeah. <laughs> so, Mike. Yes. What's the one that bothers you most? I don't know. I was going to ask you and think about it. <laughs> okay, I can go on with. I can do mine. So, Max. Yeah. What? Um, what? Uh, what are those? Ever those, those movie tropes just drives you insane? Besides Ugh. the ones you actually. Well, we know your favorite one is. Mine. No. <laughs> no. I, I have... Kristen Stewart. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That's a. She's a cliche. No. No. That's not fair. But. Uh, it's usually the computer ones. The literally that first the hacker saying I'm in. Yeah. I have worked with computer professionals on both sides as it were and <laughs> I have never heard anyone say that. The other thing that just kills me is when someone is guessing a password and it takes them like 3 tries. Yeah. No. Um, except for the real people, the idiots and you're out there who use passwords like 123456. You should. You're. It's bad, and you should feel bad. 
Well, I personally just use password. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. No, what you do is, what I do is I use asterisk, asterisk, asterisk. <laughs> I use six asterisks in a row. Because who's going to guess that? Because that's what shows up, and therefore I always remember it. I think that's number three on most used passwords. Yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> but uh, what about you? What are the cliches that just uh, really you know, get your knickers in a twist? My most hated cliche, and this one is a little weird, is the consummate professional that we see being amazingly adept at what they do, and then suddenly they're not able to do it. Oh. So whether it's like in a fight scene where they're like, oh my god, they're so fast, they can go through anything, and then suddenly they trip on the rug yeah. or whatever. Yeah. It's like, oh, um, they need to fail now, so they're suddenly bad at it. Mm -hmm. I hate that. Like, be consistent. They can do it, they can't do it, whatever. Uh, I'm in. Mm. Mm. Uh, but yeah, so that's uh, what we have for this week. Uh, for next week, we thought we'd have a new poll question, and if Ooh. that works out... We might make that a continuing feature. What do you think? Well, I think it won't be long before this weekly tradition becomes a weekly custom. Ah, and baguettes. Mm -hmm. We'd like to know, do you have a favorite performance by an animal? Or are animal performers in movies just a really bad idea? Do let us know, and don't worry, Bumpy's feelings cannot be hurt. He's used to harsh criticism, isn't he, Max? I have no idea what you're talking about, and he has no feelings to hurt. Oh, see? Yep. That's why he's a tough pony. <laughs> but you can answer us in the usual ways, which we'll get to Ooh. at the end of Suspense. the show. Suspense. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're hanging in for that. The animals, the animals. <laughs> Let's talk dirty to, to the, the animals. animals. But first, <laughs> trivia. Mm. Show. Couldn't find a budget for this one, and it was only released in theaters for 14 days before its premiere on Amazon Prime, but it did bring in 450000 for three days of play. So, um, win, mm. I guess. Regardless of what you and I might think about the depiction of Lucy and Desi in this film, Lucy Jr. found it, quote, freaking amazing, end quote. She thinks the movie captured not only the time period, but specifically her mother and father. Lucy Jr. was quoted as saying, quote, Nicole Kidman became my mother's soul, end quote. And while Bardem didn't look like her father, mm -hmm. quote, he has everything my dad had. He had his wit, his charms, his dimples, his musicality, end quote. Hmm. Okay. Donald Glass, the supposed director of the episode we see them filming, was not a real person, but likely a mix of different directors of I Love Lucy. So yeah, all that motivation coming from Desi in the movie regarding his family being ousted from Cuba, the soldiers coming to the door of their home, killing all their farm animals, that was pretty much made up as the Arnez family came to the U.S. in 1933. Uh, See our previous episode on The Godfather. Yeah, they came over in the same plane that Fredo did. No. I'm sure he, w I'm sure he did. Uh, no. Yep. <laughs> Linda Lavin, who plays an older version of I Love Lucy writer Madeline Pugh Davis, was the only one in the film to work with either Lucy or Desi. Desi guest starred on an episode of her sitcom, Alice, which coincidentally was written by Davis. Davis was also one of the executive producers on that show, and we will be coming back to Madeline Pugh Davis. Kate Blanchett was not only originally slated to play Lucy, she is more or less obsessed with Miss Ball. At the last moment, scheduling conflicts forced her to be replaced by Nicole Kidman. I have to wonder if it had anything to do with... Uh, don't look up. Mm. Since we're close to Oscar season, and since we mentioned this last week, this movie has three Oscar award winners in it. Kidman, Bardem, and Simmons. He won an Oscar. Bum, ba, da, bum, 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 bum. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Neil Patrick Harris. All three of them have been nominated for this movie this year. In the movie, after one night together, Lucy calls her fiancé to break it off with him. 
In real life, it was Desi that was entangled at Oops. the time, not Lucy. Mm. But, you know. Yeah, I bet she, I bet uh, he wasn't as funny doing it as she was. Probably. Well, we will never know, will we? <laughs> I guess not. It is entirely true that Desi Arnaz was the one to develop the three-camera film system to shoot mm. I Love Lucy. This way, the East and West Coast would see the show at the same time local to them, 9 o'clock Monday nights. And also, because he was thinking way ahead, it meant that there would be films to rerun for the next 70 years or more. Yeah. It was, however, Ball's idea to shoot the show live in front of an audience to generate the energy and chemistry that live comedy does. The laughter thus generated was so good that many laugh tracks for shows were derived from the live audiences of I Love Lucy. Oh. So yes, when we thought they were actually watching MASH it was 20 <laughs> years earlier and they were watching I Love Lucy. Mm. Bardem's casting as Desi Arnaz was not widely loved as Bardem is a Spaniard, not Latinx, and is considered by the Latinx community to be white as well. Mm. Aha, yeah. Also, I, I would wonder, really, was Desi Arnaz that terrifying? We'll get to the... Yeah. yeah. We'll get to the acting. Yeah, yeah. I Love Lucy, one of the most successful sitcoms on American television, originally ran from 1951 to 1957 and amassed 180 episodes. After that, the show ran hour-long specials for three years, known as both the Lucille Ball Desi Arnaz Show and the Lucy Desi Comedy Hour. Forty million people a year still watch the show. Good Lord. <clears throat> yeah. In the movie, we see Lucy get her big break in a movie called The Big Street, where she supposedly finally gets to do the physical comedy for which she is most famous. She actually did a number of roles like this while at RKO, mostly in co-starring roles. She was also not fired from RKO. Her contract was bought up by MGM. And we will be getting back to RKO. Trust me on that one. Lucy's crazy redhead persona was cemented in a movie with Red Skelton called Dubarry Was a Lady. Ball was not a brunette, but a blonde in real life. During her run on the radio show My Favorite Husband, she was in two Bob Hope movies which were not only financially but critically successful. Yeah. Fancy Pants and Facts of Life, I think. You get them right, you get them wrong, you get them up, you get them down. The Facts of Life, the Facts of <laughs> not Life. Not even close. Now, wow. <laughs> <laughs> a huge bit left out of this movie was the fact that Ball and Arnaz had to create a vaudeville act which they took on the road to prove that audiences would accept oh. an all-American woman married to a Cuban man. It didn't hurt that three other networks besides CBS, namely ABC, NBC, and DuMont, were interested in doing a series with the two of them. DuMont? Yeah, you remember them? No. No. Oddly, the episode that is shown being made in this movie is not the episode where Desi mm. stood up and defended Lucy in front of the live audience. That was episode number 68, The Girls Go Into Business. There is so much more trivia that can be found about this show and movie that I'm going to end it here. Otherwise, we might never get to the plot. But first, Max, yeah. do you have any stories about this film or I Love Lucy trivia? Well, apparently, and I was very disappointed to find this out, there's a sequence where J. Edgar Hoover calls, where basically, to defend Lucy, he calls on his being broadcast to the studio audience saying that uh, Lucille Ball is not a communist. That didn't actually happen. Ah, well. It's disappointing. Eh, biopics yeah. play Fast and Furious with the facts, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes there's songs. There's other stuff, but that, that'll come up as organically. Much like oh, my dinner. The plot. It's present day, or somewhere close to it, and we're finally getting around to asking all those important questions about the making of the famous TV show, I Love Lucy. 
There's one week in particular that stands out, one in 1953 when Lucy herself has been accused of being a card-carrying, red-sky-at-night communist. It can't be true, or can it? We shift focus back to that week and see the main characters, Lucille Ball, Desi Arnaz, Vivian Vance, and William Farley as they start the week rehearsing a new episode of America's Favorite Show. Though no newspapers are carrying the story, Walter Winchell, famous news broadcaster, has indeed dropped the unbelievable item. Could the end be near? Desi assures Lucy that everything will be fine, although he is also being accused of something. Adultery. He claims he's innocent, that the damning photo that appears on the cover of a tabloid was actually taken six months earlier, and that Lucy herself was there at the time. She agrees, but is obviously still troubled by the story. As the week progresses, we see the cast go through their roles. We see the writers and producers deal with the stress of making a hit TV show, of dealing with the main star's constant changing opinions and suggestions, of the secondary actors bickering with each other, and we also see some of where this couple started. Each day, tension rises even though there's no further hint of a story. As Friday looms, the self-imposed deadline after which things will either come crashing down or be declared safe, more and more dirt rises to the surface until it seems amazing that this show will be made at all. Will I Love Lucy become one of many victims of the Red Scare? Or will it somehow face this threat head-on and just maybe become more than a tiny footnote in history? Watch and find out. Down. You know, it shouldn't surprise anybody that uh, Lucille Ball was accused of being a communist, you know, because given her famous catchphrase, Ah, Ricky, the workers control the means of production! <laughs> I, I remember that so clearly! You totally made that nope, up. Nope, nope. <laughs> ah, Brezhnev! <laughs> I yeah. know that was later. Yeah, sure. I, I don't remember who was premiere that. Um, it wasn't Khrushchev, Khrushchev think, right? Yeah. The shoe banger. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, so what? how topical can you get? Oof. Yeah. Let's make well, a, a film about the making of I Love Lucy. Hey, it's kind of a big... She was a huge TV pioneer. I mean, we have, because of Lucille Ball, we have Star Trek. Among other things. Among many yes. things. Desilu Productions... It was responsible for a lot of stuff, and yes. she was responsible for Desilu. Yes, she was. Well, they formed the company together. Yes, and but he, yeah. okay. Look, I was going to get to this later, but let's okay. get to this. So, yeah. RKO in this film yeah. is portrayed as the big evil bad guy that fires Lucy, and she what's she going to do but go to radio because she's too old to be a movie. Oh, man. Man. Turns out that's not true. Yeah. Uh, oh. That's okay. They would turn the tables because uh, we talked about uh, yeah. Desi setting up this whole filming thing. It used yeah. to be that what they had to do was they would have the TV cameras live broadcasting the. Um, the, the, the actual show. performance. And yeah. they would shoot a film camera at a video monitor. This is called oh. a kinescope. Oh, God. And that's what would get shown to the West Coast, because <laughs> the East Coast was a bigger market. Hmm. And they were like, we don't want to do that. And, and and they lived in California, so it was actually going to have to be reversed. Uh, and the network, network was like, we're not going to show the crappy kinescope to the East Coast, which is our big market. So they Desi uh, developed the three-camera system. Originally, they were shooting some shows and film in one camera, just straight on, yeah. which, like the Honeymooners, would probably yeah. be an example of that. Yeah. But Lucy, because she wanted live audience, and she didn't want to obstruct the view of the audience, they set up this three-camera system. They shot it in 35 millimeter, not 16, which means not only was it, was it great quality, what most films were being shot in, but it would mean that there would be a thing called the rerun. Max, can you mm -hmm. guess how early the rerun came about? 1970? 
1952. That early? Because they because she was pregnant with Lucy yeah. Jr. The first her first kid. There was a certain point where they couldn't actually continue shoot, showing episodes uh. or shooting episodes. So because they had the films, they took some of the most popular films and sort of rebroadcast them uh. in the second season. And it turns out they were so popular, they're like, oh, we can just wait, keep doing this. People want to see this again? Well, awesome. Well, here's an even better part. Uh, Lucy and Desi, because they uh, were having so much trouble getting the network to agree to them having um, this filming system, which was very mm-hmm. expensive, took a $1,000 per episode pay cut. That's in, a lot of money in 1950. In exchange mm-hmm. <laughs> for 80% share of the oh, actual oh. films. These were a couple of smart cookies. Yeah, because then later, mm. they the network was like, oh, uh, reruns are a good idea. Could we have those back? Mm. And they were like, sure, for $4 million. <laughs> took the money. They bought RKO. <laughs> oh, nice. And that's what became Desi Lewis okay. Studios. Okay, nice. And what also came from that was a large parcel of land right in downtown Hollywood. Oh, boy. Which you would have seen shows such as Star Trek mm-hmm. or Mission Impossible or Andy Griffith or Hogan's Heroes were all shot on that lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so they made so a lot of money. There's a lot about there. <clears throat> One of the other plot points in this in this movie, so we're talking an awful lot about the TV show, yeah, yeah, yeah. is... Uh, that Lucy, it turns out, is pregnant with her second child, who would go on to become the legendary Desi Arnaz Jr., oh, who, swoon. Is, who, of course, is best known for being Marsha Brady's celebrity crush on the Brady Bunch. <laughs> well, one of them. Yeah, one of them, so, yeah. Well, Baby he, Jones. Yeah, well, that's that's pretty exalted company to be in. <laughs> but, you knew you made it if you showed up on the Brady Bunch. Yep, yep, yep. Joe but, Namath uh, and his netted slingshot. This no, was, no, no. They also point out this was a big deal because... Well, the, immediately the network and their the sponsor of the show, Philip Morris, <laughs> delightful people. Because nothing goes with pregnancy better than smoking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you can tell this is the 50s because she's smoking and drinking yeah. while pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they don't, they're like, oh, okay, well, we'll just, you know, shoot you for a while with holding a laundry basket or standing behind a chair. Because you can't, you, know, you can't show pregnancy on television, because, ew, because that's women's stuff. And both Lucy and Desi said, no, we want Lucy Ricardo to be pregnant. And it's a wonderful moment in the film, I think, and I, I, I don't care if it's true. I want it to be true. Desi writes, sends a telegram to the head of Philip Morris, who basically, because he's, they're the primary sponsor, they have the final say over the show. Because they're the money. He says, we, this is what we want to do. We'll abide by whatever you say. And everyone is just going, you know, he's, he's going to say no. He's not going to let you do it. And you're going to lose. And the guy writes back to all employees of Philip Morris and Associates. CBS. CBS. Don't F with the Cuban. <laughs> That's it. It is the funniest moment in the film. It yeah. really is. And that and one of the highest rated moments on television. Yep. I mean, this was up there with the last episode of MASH was when people tuned in to watch the birth of little Ricky. Yeah, you know what it beat out that took place two days uh, different from the airing of that episode? Let's see. This is night it would have been nineteen fifty three. Was the inauguration of the president. <laughs> They they beat it by uh, like three and a half percent. Well, yeah, but wasn't that Eisenhower? Yeah, but it doesn't so matter. That cared? was like the first time it had been shown on <laughs> oh, national TV. Yeah, but so. it was Eisenhower. I know, but still, it was like it was that many people. Mm. And 
The opening of the film, we don't know when this is, because the people that we see that they're being interviewed in, quote, current day, whenever that's yeah. supposed to be, honestly have to be dead. I'm pretty sure they all are. But whatever time period this is supposed to be, they start talking about things, and one of the things they start off saying is, yeah, you know, if a show gets watched today by like 10 million people, it's considered a huge hit. Or 15 million. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, 15 yeah. million. Lucy was watched by 60 million people. Yeah, regularly. And to be regularly. fair. Regularly. Of course... There was not all that much on. Also, there was a lot fewer people, which makes yeah. it even more impressive. True. It was a much bigger percentage of the population. Right. But back then, of course, that kind of advertising, because, of course, when you, when, a, when you had a sponsor for a show, unlike it is now, if you're watching, there's still network TV, isn't there? I, don't, I haven't seen it. I'm so. sure there is. I read about it <laughs> You get commercials for whoever throws money at you, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, a sponsor back then, those were the only people who had a commercial. Yeah. So, And you usually had the stars of the show... Using your product on the air. Yeah, and this is why you had like the Flintstones doing, uh, was it Chesterfield? Something like that, one of those yeah. cigarettes, yeah. But that's it. You would only no, have. Winston, that's right. You would only have commercials for that product. And of course, you had yeah. your stars doing it. So yep. it was a much bigger deal. And then we go back in time. Mm. Um, as we often do in the show, why don't we get to the acting? Yeah. That's a, that's a good place to start. So our, our, our principles, we have the two yep. real principles are Nicole Kidman and mm -hmm. Javier Bardem. What do, you, what do you want to start with? Oh, boy. Okay, the performance. Let's, let's talk about Nicole Kidman. Okay. Come on, she's Lucy. She's really the thing we're there to see. Um, I wasn't really ready to like this because I don't think she looks anything like Lucy. Doesn't really. And when when you say Lucille Ball, I don't think Nicole Kidman. No, I think she kind of nailed it. Her voice was utterly unrecognizable yeah. as Nicole Kidman. Yeah. <laughs> Never mind no trace of the accent because we know she can do that. Yeah. She's done that for years. She's really good at erasing. That uh, uh, Australian accent. Yeah. It is Australian, not yes. New Zealand, right? Yeah, that's, that Aussie accent. But she also gets that smoker's rasp, <laughs> or whiskey rasp, or smoking and whiskey rasp <laughs> that Lucy had that was so distinctive. And she gets the difference in Lucy's day to day voice with her, ah, oh, about Ricky, which she pitches like half an octave higher. Yeah. And she did. I actually. It was a long time before I knew that. I thought that was just how she actually talked until I saw Lucille Ball interviewed. Well, <laughs> to be fair, in later life, Lucy's voice, shall we say, got lower and raspy. Yeah, well. <laughs> but, so, uh, yeah. Johnny Carson, did I ever tell you about the time? <laughs> but, uh, I, yeah, I think she really nailed it. She also, she really nailed what, and they're right about this, about what, what the big thing about Lucille Ball was, she had this incredible energy about her, this incredible, what did the guy call it, kinetic glory? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, and she has, she does that, that even when she's standing still, she's vibrating. There's just this force coming out of her, and you just know she could tilt her head and make that funny. But also, the woman behind the show... Mm -hmm. You never knew where you stood with her, and I don't know it, uh, way, the way she's depicted. And if Lucy Junior says this is her mother, the soul of her mother, I'm gonna have to go with it. Cause yeah. There's no way I would know. Yeah. But talking with Lucille Ball behind the scenes, you literally never know where you stand. Because yeah. on one hand, she wants people to sort of stand up to her and make jokes and stuff. And on the other hand, she does not want that at all. Yeah, and she will. She would crush people. She was right. merciless and she was brutal. The thing is, she was. When you have brilliant people, they're often very hard to be around. And they, there's, this is the, the only problem I've had with Nicole Kidman's and actually all the principal's performance, mostly Nicole Kidman and Javier Bardem. We don't see enough of the show. 
We don't see enough of the Lucy we know. Oh, that didn't bother me at all. It totally bothered me because huh. with a few times we... Because we don't know this Lucy. Mm-hmm. We're having to basically go on faith that this is what she was like behind the scenes. We've never seen this. Mm-hmm. When the few times we see her do Lucy, she's so good. And it's just like we just... It's like, that's Lucy. And then she's gone. I really wish we had seen some more, partially because Kidman could do it. But that's the thing. That's why I liked that we didn't see that much of it. We do know that Lucy. She was showing us a Lucy I didn't know anything about. I needed a frame of reference. Mm. I needed to see that this I, was believable because if the two people were so totally different on screen and off screen, I, I, I wasn't just like, I guess I'll believe you. I have no way of knowing if your portrayal could be true. Mm. And again, when I saw her do it, it's like, damn, she's so good at it. I want to see it. Regardless of... Uh, which of you know where the balance should have been? She did an astonishing job. Really flexed herself. I you know when they pulled in for close-ups, it's like I'm not seeing Lucy, and physically she really doesn't. No, but the portrayal is really good. Yeah, and you can only go so and, far. And Javier Bardem. Yeah. Now part of it, this is not his fault. <laughs> Desi Arnaz, Hitman. <laughs> it's so hard because that role. In No Country for Old Men that he did as, you know, the hitman is so friggin' iconic and is burned into my head. And he's done other menacing characters. He's so good at that. It's kind of hard to separate it and see him as this charming, charismatic, warm, uh, uh, band leader. I. It's tricky. Well, here's the thing. Uh, as Lucy Jr. said, doesn't look anything like him. No. At all. He's a very... Um, Desi Arnaz was slightly shorter than mm-hmm. Lucille Ball. Yeah. Javier Bardem is not slightly shorter than anybody. Javier Bardem is very big, but Desi Arnaz, I will say this, he had real presence. He had that same kind of physical presence. Bardem's is just a little more overwhelming. It's a little more in your face, I think. Also... I, because he's worked on that. His voice is so much lower than Desi Arnaz's. That, yeah, there's a little of that. I had a lot of trouble seeing him as Desi. Now, here's the thing. I have not seen Javier Bardem, ah, except in Skyfall. Mm-hmm. And that's a much less threatening part, I believe, since I didn't see him in anything else, mm-hmm. than the other roles for which he's generally well-known. Mm-hmm. So I think he's acting well. I just don't get Desi from him. Yeah. I, I actually, I, I had to look at the credits to see this. He does his own singing, and yep. I believe he plays the guitar himself. Could be. I don't know if it's him playing the uh, conga drum. If he plays the guitar, I'm fully willing yeah. to believe he keeps playing the guitar. And drum. he does a good job. He doesn't sound like Desi Arnaz singing. At all. Well, he, I think he gets the pitch and the tone right. No, I think it's still he, too low. He gets the pronunciation. He gets the diction the same. Um, and he doesn't, I got to say, he does not go make it cartoonish. And when you are trying to talk like Desi Arnaz, whose accent was so thick you could slice it with a bread knife, it's hard not to go cartoon. Well, and I wouldn't even be a bit surprised to find out that Desi Arnaz himself pushed his accent for reasons On of the comedy. show, maybe. Yeah. He, might have, he might have done it a little. It's, I just didn't... I didn't get Desi from him much. Mm. A little bit here and there. It didn't bother me, because again, I didn't know anything about Desi all, uh, apart from the show. Yeah, well, it's, he's a very behind-the-scenes person. Mm. Um, and the thing is, is that he did have some amazingly brilliant ideas and basically was never credited for them, or mm. people don't know the kinds of things he did. I mean, he basically... <laughs> 
invented the rerun, which I guess we'll praise him for. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, it's like they point out. I mean, Lucy tries to get him an executive producer credit, and right. the executive producer won't do it. And I, I both understand why she thinks he deserves it, and I think he kind of does. I also understand the poor executive producer, Jess Oppenheimer, yeah. going, um, you want me to give away my job title? Yeah. Uh, no. As he put it, you want me to give it away like a parking space. It's yeah. like, ouch, yes, because that's exactly what she's doing. Yeah. And that that's a bit much. And that guy, I mean, they don't make as much out of Oppenheimer as I think they kind of should have. But can you imagine having to ride herd on those people, on no. that collection of egos and personalities? No. Which also, I'd like to talk about the other two members of the, the supporting cast. But Wait, Vivian Vance? And yeah. Okay, cool. Okay. Yeah, I want the to Vivian Vance was played by... Nina Arianda. As far as I can tell, she does a great job. There's yeah. actually some moments where she turns her head and the lighting's right, and she looks a lot like Vivian Vance. The physical appearance, I didn't care. In, in biopics, it doesn't bother me if they don't look exactly like no. the person, because usually that's just kind of uncanny valley or kind yeah. of creepy. Bardem was just, for me, physically just too far. He was so distinctive. Yeah. yeah. But again, I didn't bother me that uh, Nicole Kidman doesn't really look like Lucy no. Ball. doesn't bother me that J.K. Simmons is about a foot and a half taller than... Uh, and whatever, about whatever, 40 pounds, 50 pounds lighter. Whatever the guy's name let's, was. Let's do Vivian Vance okay, first because yeah. I want to get to J.K. Yeah. Simmons. Yeah, Nina, Nina Arianda, I think she does. She gets that whole brassy uh, sound. And again, they bring up, although they don't linger on it, but they do bring up one of the issues, which was that Lucy was very uncomfortable with the idea of whoever played Ethel being prettier than she was. Right. She did not want that. Yeah. She had enough of an ego that way, and... At the time, anyway, Vivian, people thought Vivian Vance was better looking than she was. Yeah, so it's, they dressed her frumpy on purpose. They dressed her frumpy, they encouraged her to gain weight. Yeah. And uh, really, Vivian Vance does have a more traditionally attractive face. It's much more symmetrical, it's much more kind of standard. It doesn't rely as much on makeup. Yeah, Lu- Lucy's face was unusual. It was very distinctive. It, she had a lot, more, a lot more character to it. I think the mouth was a little too small compared to the eyes. So I, I could see why on TV people would think she wasn't as good looking. But they were apparently very good friends, eventually. They didn't start out that way. No, but Vivian Vance would follow her for her next two shows. Yeah. So, yeah. you know. Um, and she, I think she does a fine job. Um, I totally believe her as Vivian Vance. I don't know enough about the background to say she is or isn't Vivian Vance. Yeah. But I believed it, especially when she was doing the show. She felt like Ethel. This was another one of the... To, to a degree... This is where you want to... Uh, these are characters where I was going, I want to know more about them. I mean, Vivian Vance, and especially Fred. William Frawley, J.K. Simmons. So yeah. he pops up, and kind of like as soon as he pops up, I want there to be more to his part. And apparently Frawley, there was a lot of problems with Frawley. Yeah, but he, interestingly, the biggest one where that he was a drunk... It was Desi Arnaz who was pushing for him to be on the show because he actually thought he had a lot of good background from vaudeville, which he did. Yeah, 40 years. And the network was like, he's a drunk, we don't want him. Desi Arnaz made him sign a thing saying that he would not appear on the show, he would not appear at rehearsals drunk. And he kept to it. For nine years, Mm -hmm. William Farley did not drink while on the job. They show in in the... film, it, they make it out like he's still drinking as he yeah. puts it, it's 10.15 somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, as he says, I'm drinking, I'm not drunk, because well, he must have had such a tolerance by that time, he could probably have a couple of shots of scotch, and it would just keep his hands from shaking. 
But the things I didn't know, like he reads seven newspapers a day. Yeah. He was apparently horrendously intelligent, yeah. really smart. And he starts off, it's such a fake to me, a fake out to me, because he starts off as totally disengaged yeah. and, and just making snide comments and reading his newspaper during the table read. And he's so plugged in and he's so supportive of Lucy. Eventually. Eventually. Well, you get the feeling he always was, but he didn't he didn't make, let her know. He yeah. wasn't uh, public about it. Well, I think he thought she could take care of herself, which yeah. in most cases she more than could. Uh, yeah, I thought he was instantly great. And I, he's really not on camera enough, mm -hmm. I think. Although this isn't his story. It's not his story, but... But he's so good, and the yeah. way he tosses off comments <laughs> are, are just... They're just so funny and so dry. And they, they do highlight... And I want to know why, how much he did not get along with Vivian Vance. Yes, they apparently really... I mean, borderline hated each other. I don't think it was that borderline. You know? No, oh, I think okay. they actually hated each other. And one of the but problems is Vivian, Va well, Vivian Vance hated the idea that she was married to somebody that was old enough to be her father, if not older, yeah. and that there were constantly jokes made at her expense about how she was unattractive. Yeah. Whether or not that's true that Lucille Ball actually wanted those in there to help make her look better, I don't know. But uh, he was apparently cantankerous. He was a lot older. He didn't like her. They just they basically they would get along for the camera, and that was about it. Yeah. Um, there's actually supposed to be a spinoff show called The Mertzes. Oh. And William Frawley was like, yeah, I'll do it. And Vivian Mertz is like, not a chance. <laughs> I can't stand this guy. I'm not doing it. No, she stayed with Lucy and was pretty successful with, what was it, The Lucy Show? And uh, there were like at least two other yeah, incarnations. I can't remember what it was called, yeah. but uh, here's Lucy. Oh, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, I do want to point out, uh, just as a side thing, this movie is an Aaron Sorkin movie. It is written by Aaron Sorkin. And... I'm sitting there going, I didn't rec realize this, I missed it in the credits, and I didn't know he was the writer, but I'm going, this feels like an Aaron Serkin movie because everyone is walking very fast and talking very fast while they're walking. And that is a real trademark of everything Aaron Sorkin has ever done. Can you give me some examples? I'm not sure if I recognize his style. West Wing, um, oh, mm. Charlie Wilson's War, mm. The Social Network. Okay, I've seen that. Yeah, <laughs> He's done a ton of stuff. There's also a bunch of other players, which are all, I think, well done. I don't know anything about these people. Mm -hmm. But the one person I would love to know more about was Madeline Pugh oh, or Madeline yeah. Pugh Davis. Because she is not only the only woman that's part of the behind-the-scenes set. She's one of the writers on the Isle of Lucy yeah, she's show. She's the only, write, only woman writer and one of the very few women writers in television at that period. At least the way she's portrayed in this, she actually has something of an agenda which is very commendable. Mm. And she's fighting to keep Lucy from looking stupid. Yeah. Like the character Lucy looking dumb on the show. That was really interesting because I hadn't thought of that. But it's like, yeah. They're infantilizing. They, that's what she says. She says he's infantilized. Lucy is being infantilized. She's appeared to be... I mean, they used to say, oh, she's just this dizzy, crazy redhead. But no, she was often per portrayed as like a big child. Well, she said, you even go, wah. Yeah, yeah. And Lucy very smartly says, look... I'm not trying to further anything. I know what's funny. <laughs> yeah, I want to make people laugh. That's what my job. That is what I'm being. That's what I love to do, and I'm getting paid to do it. So you know, don't mess this up. But also because of the trivia I got into, we know that Madeline Pugh Davis would continue through uh, the '70s at least 
I should, for all I know, she did it for the rest of her life. Mm-hmm. She was one of the co-producers on the Alice show, which was very uh, well-received. Mm. And she was still writing, at least through the 70s. Mm. So she had, obviously, quite a career. I'd actually like to know more about her. Mm. And I really liked the actor who played her because she was I, I was interested in her. And again, there's no way to know if she was like this person, but it didn't matter. The character she was playing, I thought, was very compelling. The story, I mean, uh, I do I want to bring it back to some of the plot. Right. It that's the one thing I will say is they cram an awful lot into this. It's almost like well they start off in present day and they're like let's go back to the yesteryear of television. <laughs> then while you're watching them make I Love Lucy, but first yeah. <laughs> you go back to 1938 and it's yeah. like oh my word! All right, now where are we going? Mm. And there's a couple of times where I'm not exactly sure where we are. Because Lucy doesn't really physically change not between not, 38 yeah. and 53. Yeah, except for the hair color. Yeah. Oh, yeah, at one and, point she's got brown hair. Yeah. And they do they do a nice, I think, shift between color and black and white. When they're, doing, when they're like showing clips from the show or they're showing them making the show. I, I thought it was actually surprisingly seamless. I would suddenly go, oh, oh right, we're in color now. Because usually in movies, that's painfully obvious. Yeah, Wizard of Oz. It, they blew it in that Yeah, one. I know. My God, those <laughs> hacks. No wonder nobody watches that anymore. But it, 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 that, they did it beautifully. I mean, the shot through the doorway in Wizard of Oz? Yeah. When you first see, that's wonderful. And there, the contrast is supposed to be jarring. It's supposed to right. be stark. In this, it's supposed to show the blend, how, in effect, how blurred the line is. Well, but it was also very interestingly, it was showing how Lucy perceives... It was, it was sort of, I think, meant to represent her creative process. Mm. So whenever she would make suggestions, or the people would be talking about what they thought they should do, she would sort of look up and off screen, mm-hmm. and we'd start to see shots of the show recreated, yeah. but as they would be seen. In black and white. So she was yeah. looking at it from the audience's perspective because she, she literally could, did know what was funny. She could do that. One, part of the plot, though, in this, I don't know, uh, I know we, our listeners are of many and varied ages, and of course all extraordinarily well-educated and well-dressed, <laughs> but one of the, it, it depresses me to realize this, but... The plot point that Lucy is accused of being a communist in 1953, I don't know, a lot of people don't realize what a horrific, life-destroying thing that was. Yeah. And, cause, uh, and it's not, it's the reason is because a lot of schools and a lot of our own government are trying to de-emphasize. And like, oh, yeah, mistakes were made, it was kind of a rough time. Ugh. This was, people committed suicide over this, people lost their jobs, people lost their families, People were vilified. It was a nightmare all by this bunch of incompetence on the House Un-American Activities Committee who managed to, over the course of however many years, catch exactly zero communists. Well, never mind that. It wasn't even probably really a big deal anyway. No, there was some. The no, FBI no, no, no. caught there. Oh, no, 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 no. no, no. no. The, the, the idea that there were communists in the United States yeah. probably would not have led to anything. Yeah. We like our money too much. It's just oh, <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. The overthrow by the communists yeah. was probably not going to happen. There were spies and there was espionage. We do know that. Oh, sure. But, but there probably the, still is. Yeah, of course there is. But the fact that oh yeah, this person is, te- is teaching uh, Mark Twain. He's a communist. And you people. The, the fact that she was accused, and especially in Hollywood, because the two biggest targets were Hollywood and academia. And academia, who knew who these people were? Nobody knew who, who the professors were or whatever. It was a big deal locally. But Hollywood were big, high-profile targets, and that's why you got people like Walter Winchell and Hedda Hopper and all the others taking these horrible shots 
at any of the communists, and you've got the friendly ones like John Wayne, who was denouncing everybody, and he had the friendly witnesses, and it was a terrifying time, and they don't, she is not overreacting. No. Neither is Desi when they find out about this, because it's, it would be the end. Well, and you said people would lose their jobs. No, people lost their careers. Yeah, they lost everything. They were literally everything. unable, they were literally blacklisted from working in Hollywood on, in any way, shape, or form. Now, mm-hmm. that being said, you would eventually, you would sometimes find somebody that they really couldn't do without. Um, and you'd find screenwriters sneaking back in, yeah, writing under You're talking names. about Dalton Trumbo Dalton, and his people. Yes. Yeah, but again, but that was a rarity. It was very rare, and they didn't get credit for it for no. many, many years. Until basically they made a movie about Dalton Trumbo <laughs> called Trumbo. You should see Trumbo. It's actually a really cool thing. It's pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, it was... Then they literally they are going, look, if, and actually, if we're making a show on Friday, everything's okay. Because mm-hmm. it was Monday that the story got... Uh, or actually, Sunday night that Walter Winchell announced on the radio show. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Lucy's a communist. Good night, everybody. It was yeah. literally apparently like that. And they're like, if nobody picks up the story in the newspapers, nobody goes further with it by Friday... We'll know that it has dropped because yeah. news only lasts so long. And if we're recording a show on Friday, everything's fine. Yeah, and, and we can continue. But if not, mm-hmm. this entire thing is over. Yeah. Sixty million viewers be damned. They will. Everyone. Will, they know that the network and the sponsor will pull the plug, and that'll mm-hmm. be it. And they'll all be out on the, on the street. And she was. In, the thing is, and the thing that made that so absurd was she was investigated by Huac, and for whatever reason, you know, those dirt bags exonerated her. They. You know, they found her... Well, she never had done anything. She, she literally checked, checked one box checked on a box a, identifying on herself as a communist on a voting ballot in 1938, 39. To please her grandfather, yeah. who was probably a socialist. He was probably a was socialist. was into unions. Oh, no, that's a horrible thing. Yeah. Uh, that, that was sarcasm, by the way. Yeah. Um, and she never had a meeting. She never voted that way. She never did anything. She just did it to please her grandfather. Yeah. I looked that up. That's actually true. Um... And somebody decided they would go ahead and say, well, you know, she, she said that, but it's not true. And Walter Winchell ran with it, and they never did find Win- any evidence. No, Winchell loved to do that. Winchell, whatever else you want to say with him, he was a putz. He really did like to uh, stir up trouble, and he would accuse people just because he felt like it, or right. just because he didn't like them, or because they were more famous than he was. But, yeah. Uh, so that's that part of the, the history here. We should get back to the movie right, part. Right, right. Um, this movie does jump around a lot. It does. It um, covers a lot in it, it does two hours and 13 minutes. How did you feel about the pacing? I thought the pacing was good. I thought it moved along really well. It slows down a few times, but I think that's sort of just enough to let you catch your breath and, well, to, and to get more of an emotional connection. And to remember where you were. Yes, and remember <laughs> where you are, what era, and what's going on. No, I'm not present. Sold American. Yeah. Uh, I do notice that when we watched this movie, we didn't stop it. Yeah, uh, yeah we did. No, we didn't. I did. I, I had to pee. Oh. <laughs> I must have continued playing I Love Lucy in my head during that moment. <laughs> yes, this is, as I said as with our last uh, poll question, I, I do stop movies. Uh, sometimes I just wish you'd left the room when you'd done it. I I don't see why I used a bucket. Yeah, <laughs> right. So it does move along fairly well. It does jump all over the place, mm-hmm. um, which is a little jarring at times, but not such that you couldn't catch up. Yeah. I don't think. I think that there are, you could become a little bit confused. I was. Uh, I, I do tend to be prone to that, but I think it does tend to flow fairly well, and it kept me interested. Mm-hmm. I was interested to see where these people were going to go. I was hoping I'd see more of some people than others. Did see a little 
not always, but um, J.K. Simmons for a long time doesn't really have much to do. Mm. And then finally he gets a really nice sort of speech at near the end of the film. Mm. And I, I really like J.K. Simmons. I liked him as Jonah Jameson. Yeah. I've liked him pretty much in everything. He, he does a great job. I want to say, too, I don't know how old Nicole Kidman is. She uh, doesn't look at whatever it is. I, I don't care what it is. I let's see. She's about uh, 54, 55. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you say so. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, she had, and uh, I, I would like to know what demon she made the pact with. And uh, could we, I we, possibly get his uh, address? We know she divorced him. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, but he didn't Just take, kidding, he didn't take, take back his dark gift. I mean, <laughs> Zenu did not strike her down. <laughs> Zap. Um,. I think one of the other things that plays well in this film is that, let's face it, we know it's season two mm. of I Love Lucy, we know it's 1953, and everyone's like, oh no, will the show end? Well, it, we no. know. <laughs> Spoiler, <Yeah>. no. <laughs> oh no, will the most famous TV show in American history Stop continue? after its second, in fact, not even, because this is like, what, the second the middle episode? Middle of the second, or the, the fourth, yeah, I think. Yeah, whatever. The fourth episode of the second season yeah. out of a show that was on for, what, seven seasons, eight seasons? Yeah, and she hasn't, they haven't even hit their peak yet. Yeah, the, she the hasn't had the baby. Wiki yeah. was like the biggest thing ever. Yeah. Um, you're still like on. You're like I don't know what's going to happen. I was still tense. I thought it was tense. Yeah, because I'd never heard of this. I didn't know this. I had no idea she was accused of being a communist. Yeah, and so I, I want to give them or Mr. Sorkin uh, credit yeah, and props the cast. to that. Yeah, because I, I was still uh, I was still taken in by that, and it kept me interested. I was thinking that at this point we might want to get to our talking points mm, okay. and get those in here. Sure. Um, does this feel like it was quote made for streaming end quote? Well, it, well, we know it wasn't. It was made for the theaters. And well, I disagree. Well, that's true. It was released in theaters. Yeah. It and we know this is from Amazon. So right. It's from so, Amazon Studios. So Yeah, which, yeah. boy, let's talk about that for a sec. What about that opening, huh? How much money do you think Good they Lord! <laughs> that You know how you have those little producer's graphics you know, that used to just be a picture of a lady with a torch yeah. or the, glo- the world turning? Good Lord, this thing... This is like watching a very short version of The Matrix. I thought it was like the opening of Game of Thrones. Some, I was waiting yeah. for that theme. Because you basically watch them build Hollywood yeah. out of nothing, and then it ends Amazon in... Amazon Studios. Yeah. Dang! Okay, I get it. Yeah. I'm not happy about it, but I get but, it. Yeah. Um, I think this could have been... Sh- I could have seen this on a big screen. So it didn't feel made for TV Love it You? It did not feel made for TV Love You. Okay. Partly because of the scale and uh, the number of the eras, but also some of the shots, some of just the camera work is gorgeous. The light in the studio, uh, the two of them up on Mulholland overlooking Hollywood. Those are very cinematic shots, and I, I think they would look nice on a big screen. Sure. Uh, speaking of that, would it change how we see this film or experience this film if we'd seen it in a theater versus seeing it at home. I would have had to hold it because I would not have wanted to (laughs) run out to pee and miss something. I, yeah, you know what I think is this actually goes back to last week's Mm -hmm. film. So what are we dealing with? We're dealing with essentially the making of a TV show. Yeah. Where do you tend to watch TV shows? At home. Hang on. (laughs) I'm sorry. Hang on. Right, sorry. At home. (laughs) No, no, Damn. it's at home. Um, I'll get it right one of these days. I think you actually, in a way, experience this film differently because you associate TV shows with being at home. Yeah, possible. Cinematically, I honestly don't, because it's a, fa- it's a fairly 
it's not claustrophobic. No, but it's but a small lot of this scale. takes place inside the studio or single rooms. True. There's not a lot in this film that's sweeping vistas or no, anything like that. There's shots in them. There's scenes in the nightclubs, although a lot of those are close-ups. I honestly don't yeah. know bars yeah. if we would have gained anything by being in a theater. No, maybe not. So I mean, I don't think yeah, it wasn't. I think that's reasonable. I don't think it wasn't thought of cinematically. I just don't know that it. Yeah. It's not like 1917 or, you know, Star Wars or mm -hmm. something like that where, like, oh, my God, big screen. I don't need a 40-foot Lucy. It's fine. <laughs> um, one of the other things before we get to our, our wrap-up is mm -hmm. I'd uh, like to talk about is where essentially 90% of this film is seeing a side of people that we've never seen before. Mm. And part of the problem I had watching this, or part of the, the reason I think this film is a little jarring, and I did see some reviews that were talking about the fact that they felt this was a little jarring, is it's not entirely unlike when we watch a magician do a trick and we're like, oh, I want to know how he does that. You really don't. <laughs> because it's a lot... You're Once you find out how it's done... It's over. You never think about it again. Mm. Oh, yeah, I get it. Or if you see somebody do the same trick, mm. you're like, well, I know how they did it. And there's no wonder. Mm. There's no real interest. And in a way, and I'm not saying this was a mistake, but in a way, watching this film, seeing a part of I Love Lucy that I've certainly never guessed, that really the characters themselves or the actors themselves, part of this is it's mostly the quote-unquote ugly side of I Love Lucy. Mm. And I wonder... If it's not one of those cases where, really, we think we want to see this, but we kind of don't. Uh, i got to say I disagree. One of the things, I like the fact that we see these were real people. And I like the fact that we see the blood and pain and effort that they went into and how innovative it was. It gives me a whole new appreciation for the process and for the show itself. I mean, things like, I, I, you know, in the back of my head, I knew the whole thing about, oh, yeah, this was the first show to use the three cameras. But it's, to see that and to hear them talk about it and to know, oh, that was Desi's idea. I didn't know that. Or, yeah. I, I think that just makes, makes me more impressed with the people involved. Part of me, I was glad to see how a TV show is made. Mm -hmm. And I, I roughly knew, yeah, they start with a script and there's a table read and so mm -hmm. on and so forth. But watching them go through that process, I actually really liked Hmm. So in some, in like the behind the scenes, some of that I do a level of that I am interested in. Like, oh, they spend the whole first day literally just doing the script. You sit around, they call it a table read because you literally sit around a table and read a script. Mm -hmm. Everyone's more or less in character. Emphasis isn't really there yet. People are making notes, etc. There's a lot of changes made. And then they move on. It's like, now we're going to go and start doing our blocking. Now we're going to do our camera setup. Now we're going to do an actual four-horsing. And then we're finally going to perform this live in front of an audience and film it. That part I liked. But I did feel that there was a certain joylessness that this was um, portrayed with. Like, this is one of the reasons that I wish where there had been more of the, a recreation or a seeing the show. Because it would be like, we did all this hard work, we did all this hard work. And then they made the Lucy show. Now over here, like we don't really see, don't the, see payoff. the payoff. I guess, but yeah. we've seen the payoff so many times. We know what it became. We we've seen it. I, I also I like the fact that we see how what a perfectionist Lucy was and how she wanted. No, it's not there yet. This root, this bit at the table isn't there yet. And everyone else is like it's fine. No, it's not fine. It's it's adequate. It's not good enough. And as she says, I have to kill. Every time. Yeah. And 
it is to me it brings such more so much more depth than just oh look she's being wacky on screen that doesn't look like they're actually how hard could that have been they're just messing around having fun and the fact that the idea about there's not as much joy this yeah the joy would be in the performance but also it's a job and they did it and they do it every week i have i don't i have so much respect for people on tv or stand-up comics or in podcasts yes who have to be funny oh yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> the other people who have to be funny unlike us every week doesn't matter if you don't feel funny it doesn't matter if you're depressed it doesn't matter if you're just don't feel like it it's your job and you got to do it and it amazes me it amazes me the people who can do this especially when you find out years later oh yeah i was in the middle of crippling depression when i was doing this or yeah, it's amazing to me. I love seeing that, and it just it heightens my my appreciation. Well, I think unless you have any other notes you wanted to get to, we should get to the the roundup. So, Max, yes, you hadn't seen this film before because it just came yeah. out, right? So, yeah. um, how did you hear about this film? Um, boy, I think uh, well, Amazon was advertising it all over the place, you know, through their many. Many channels, uh-huh. and then I saw it been nominated for an Oscar, and so you were like, "Hey, yeah." I mean, and yeah, the, some of the previews I'd seen, it's like this looks intriguing. Okay, yeah, and also I like Aaron Sorkin, so I'm, I'm usually I'll, I'll usually try his movies. Well, I figured I'd ask you because you picked yeah. this film, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I did not. You picked this film. <laughs> Why are you lying to the people? Because <laughs> I wanted to see if you were paying attention. He wasn't. Why would I? <laughs> um, not that you asked, but. Um, well, actually, no. Why did yeah. what did you think? I like it. I think it's really well done. I recommend it. I think uh, it does. It's not flawless. I think you're. I think you're right. I think they cram a lot in. I think they. It's sometimes kind of hard to keep, tell where you are, but I think it's really interesting. It's a great picture of the time and of the people and of the process. And uh, yeah, I, I, I like it. I think it works. What about you? You, I think you heard about it because I suggested the movie. Yeah, um, I think I did see something yeah. pop up about Nicole Kidman playing Lucille Ball, and mm-hmm. I was like, what? Yeah, yeah, that was my first response last year when I heard about that. I thought, that's got to be a typo. Yeah, it showed up somewhere. It popped up, and it was like, being the Ricardos, I'm like, we're doing a Lucy movie? Okay, I'll say this right off. It is not topical at all. Mm. Um, it's really... Well, except in a way it is. Yeah, it kind of is. So here's what I thought, too, is that there is actually a parallel kind of to cancel culture, right? Because her being a communist would have literally canceled her career. It also, I think, is kind of timely because this was a woman in a very male industry who not only made it as a performer, but as a business person. Yeah, and in a way, they don't even portray that enough. Yeah. Because, again, she they, they sit there and go, oh, look, she's being fired by RKO, which didn't actually happen. Mm-hmm. But it would even be better for them to show her actually purchasing yeah. RKO later on. Yeah. We're talking about all the things she did with Desilu Studios. Yeah, I mean, she literally... So, Max mentioned earlier that she's responsible for Star Trek. She is. So, they made a pilot. NBC looked at it and said, ha, No. Lucy, head of Desilu, which still had at that point a one of the top-rated shows on TV, I think it was the Lucy show, yeah. was owner of Desilu Studios, which had made the pilot. And she basically came in and said, yeah, you need to look at that again, because I think we're going to have that on. Because if you don't have that, you're not going to have my show. 
And they were like, Whoa. oh, Lucy, oh, oh, Lu- oh, Lucy, what are you saying? <laughs> Mrs. And- Carmichael, you can't do that. <laughs> and basically, she's like, yeah, you're going to do that. So make- let him make another pilot. <laughs> and they made a second pilot, which basically never happens. Mm. And then she eventually sold Desilu Studios for some ridiculous amount of money yeah. um, because she had, I think she bought her shares off Desi because yeah. um, they, had, they had divorced... 1960, the last 1960, yeah. as the movie says, right after they finished doing the Lucy Desi comedy hour or whatever. Mm. And it is true, apparently, that Desi was um, um, sniffing around, shall we say, yeah, yeah. Uh, making uh, completed passes. But And she just finally had enough of that. So in a way, it's not a very topical film, because it's I Love Lucy. There's probably plenty of people these days who have never bothered to watch an episode of it. They probably know what it is mm-hmm. still. The fact that basically sitcoms are still filmed exactly the same way is a real testament to what they did. There are some parallels we can draw. I think it's well acted. Again, Bardem doesn't... I don't. He doesn't win me over as Desi. Um, I think that Kidman is a Kidman we have not seen before, which is nice. I like her in general anyway. The first role I saw her in did not impress me at all, which was, was Eyes Wide Shut. See, our first oh, episode yeah. on Eyes Wide Shut. <laughs> It's like, all she does is act high and, like, repeat things. Like, that's, that's, that's an actor? And then, of course, she did things like, oh, I don't know, Moulin Rouge, The Hours, this. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. She's a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. I also wish we had seen a little bit more of Madeline. It is not about her. This is just me interested in the person. Yeah, this is a fascinating character. I think it's flawed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a biopic. They lie. Because yeah. <laughs> that's what biopics yeah, do. Yeah. See our entire series on biopics. <laughs> I think it's good. Um, I know it's up for Best Picture. I know why it's up for Best Picture. I don't know that I'd vote for it. Um, but I think it's good, and I think it's interesting, and I think it's well-made and well-paced. I mean, it's a good movie, but let's face it, one of the reasons it's up for uh, Best Picture is because Hollywood loves movies about Hollywood. And you know how wonderful Hollywood is? Well, let us tell yeah, you. Hollywood. The, the cause of and solution to all life's problems. Because, you know, all those problems we used to have are gone. Thank yeah, because they made movies about them. It's true. Um, but, yeah, that's what we thought of this movie. Uh, let's sort of remind people about our poll question. Let us. So this week, we have a poll question. We'd like to know, do you have a favorite performance by an animal? Mrs. An Animal. <laughs> uh, miss. Miss An Animal. Or... Do you feel that animal performers in movies are just really a bad idea? Hmm. Please let us know. Hey, how can you do that, you might ask. Hey, how can you do that? I mean, how can I do that? Brilliant. Absolutely. Nailed it. Nailed it. Yes, you're going to the head (laughs) of the class. All right. You can email us directly at us. MaxMikeMovies.com, which suggests that we have a website, which mm-hmm. we do. We do. MaxMikeMovies.com, which has every episode we've ever made and is also a place you can leave comments or suggestions for show ideas or just in general telling us how wonderful you thought Max's performance just was. Yes. You may find us on the podcast app of your choice, yes. whether it be the Google podcast app, the Apple podcast app, or a podcast app that does not include Spotify because Neil Young told us not to. Uh, and we're still going to shove it to the man. Yeah. <laughs> shove Damn it. Stick man. it. Stick Damn it the to man. the man. Save the empire. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, you might also find us on the social media of your choice as long as they are either Twitter or Facebook. Yep. Otherwise, we're not out there. Maybe we'll do. Hey, let us know. Should we do an Instagram? You want to see care? us on TikTok? <laughs> no, Matt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're going to do lip sync. We're going to. 
twerk. I don't know. Max will twerk for you if you email us at <laughs> us at Max by no, Movie no, and request he, it. He Max really will twerk for you he on will. TikTok. Oh uh, no! I, I tell you what, I'll t- I'll twerk for you on Twitter and write about it. <laughs> I'm twerking. Yep, it's right hurting. Now. It hurts me. I'm twerking. <laughs> All right. But yes. we're going to continue next week yes, with we uh, Now Streaming in a Room Near You. Yes. And as usual, I forgot to ask Max yes. what film that was going to be. Max, did you decide on a film that we're going to watch next No, week? I'm offended, so I'm not going to tell you. All right. Don't tell me, but will you tell our listeners who All haven't right, offended you? stick you? your finger, fingers in your ears and say, La, 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 I'm totally that. not hearing you. <laughs> yes, well, inspired by... Uh, a, a having a um, sort of Latinx Spaniard guy in this movie. This is the best. Co- oh, look! I don't have much of a uh, a bridge between the two movies, except that this is also up for an Oscar. And because I need something light and fun, we are going to talk about Encanto. 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 Are we out of Canto? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we are in Kanto. We are not out Kanto. Oh, yes. So if you too would like to be in Kanto, mm. join us next week here on the show. <laughs> uh, it, all complaints about offensiveness should be directed directly to Mike <laughs> at pinhead at Mike Max Mike Movies. Now you have to make that an actual email address. I can do it. <laughs> This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench. Oh yeah, we're not doing a clap. Right. I don't know what to do without a clap. (laughs) I don't don't know what to do without the clap. Okay. (laughs) The Mike Luce story. (laughs) Yeah, sure.